Welcome to Notes from America with Kai Wright. I'm Kusha. I'm a producer on the show. Thanks for hanging out with us. A mission of our show is to foster insight and connection during a divided time. That division shows up in a lot of ways. Often, it's between the experiences of Americans who live in urban versus rural communities. In 2016, New Yorker cartoonist and writer Navid Madavian moved from San Francisco to rural Idaho. This was right after Trump was elected. And like so many big choices we make in our lives, the outcome of moving to a remote cabin in Trump country was a lot. And in ways you might not expect, yes, it was often intimidating, sometimes scary, but his emotional space also changed. What was most interesting to me in hearing Navid's story was the ways in which he found community and the ways in which that new community showed up for him. I recently guest hosted All of It with Allison Stewart, and Navid joined me to talk about his recent graphic memoir that captures his experience from becoming a bird lover to finding out how much you can love elk kebabs. It's called This Country, and I'd like to share it with you now. I hope you enjoy. You're listening to all of it on WNYC. I'm Kusha Navadar, in for Allison Stewart. In 2016, New Yorker contributing cartoonist Navid Medavian and his wife made a drastic life change. They moved from San Francisco to a remote cabin in Idaho with no plumbing or heat. The landscape was stunning and harsh. Sometimes the winter was so cold that their car wouldn't start, leaving them stuck at home with dwindling groceries. Their neighbors were friendly, often lending a hand. But Navid, the child of Iranian immigrants, suddenly found himself in Trump country, among people who would say things to him like, you're not a Muslim, are you? Or use the N-word in casual conversation. As time wore on, Navid and his wife had to decide whether the joys of life in a beautiful remote location outweighed the challenges. Navid writes about his experiences in his new graphic memoir, This Country, Searching for Home in a Very Rural America. The book isn't out quite yet, but you can catch him here in New York on September 12th at the Union Square, Barnes & Noble. And in the meantime, Navid Medavian joins us for a little preview. Navid, welcome to all of it. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've I've never ha- heard my book uh, described that way. <laughs> <laughs> it 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 is captivating both in words and in images. And listeners, we want to invite you to add your own words to this conversation. Have you ever moved from an urban to a rural area? What went into that decision, and what was that adjustment period like for you? What were some of the challenges you faced? Or if you've moved from a rural community to an urban one, tell us about that journey too. Give us a call. And Navid, I really want to get to this book, Three Years in Rural Idaho. How'd you keep track of everything you would write and draw about? Did you keep a diary that you revisited? Did you sketch day by day? Uh, I mean, I wish that I were the type of person who who journaled and kept a, a diary. I did do some landscape sketching, uh, sketches of some of the flora and fauna, but I'm not the type to uh, write about my day-to-day experiences. So when I sat down to write the book, it was actually this incredible experience of being able to sort of sift through my memories. And there was a lot that I had forgotten had happened. And as I, you know, put this list together of all the things that had happened in three years, I mean, it it, it felt natural to, to write the book because so much 
did happen. In the book, you and, and your wife, Emily, right, are considering to make the move from San Francisco. How did you land on Idaho in particular? We visited on a whim. Uh, it was on vacation. Neither of us had been to Idaho. We picked a random spot on the map and that that was it. We went and I mean, the mountains are breathtaking. It's an incredible uh, view and it just seemed so full of of promise and um it was a big decision to make the move i mean there was the i mean it was a romantic thing right picking up moving from the city to middle of nowhere america um but then there was also the practicality of it land was cheap uh we could build a home and um that's not something that we could do in San Francisco, as everyone knows. Yeah, as everyone. I, I, I actually, I moved from San Francisco to New York City, so I don't know if that's going from the frying pan to the fire, but whatever. That's another conversation. <laughs> what were some of the challenges in rural living that you didn't fully anticipate or or understand? I'm. I mean, I'm. A, I'm a city boy. I was born in Miami, lived in my twenties in the Bay Area. So, like, first and foremost, it was the seasons. Uh, when I first got there, that first winter, January didn't get above zero wow. the the entire time. It got down to negative thirty seven. Immediately, neither cars would work, and so we were just like there. But I remember even in that moment when neither cars were starting, there was just this sense of like okay. I was like, okay with it because we were there. That was the plan. And even if we couldn't get into town, um, there was something that felt very liberating about being um, in the middle of nowhere and, you know, just getting to explore and figure out, well, what does that, what does that look like? Mm. Um, So definitely the, the nature. And I feel like in the book, the land is maybe the central character of the book. Um, and so I try to lean into that and to capture those moments of quiet, that moment of extreme weather and what it was just like to to be in a place like that. There were a bunch of skills that I heard or that I saw you pick up over the course of the book and I don't want to ruin anything, but it includes like learning how to use an axe. One thing that I think a producer on the show will love is learning to identify birds by their songs. Was there a skill that you picked up that you're especially proud of? Yeah, I mean, uh, the the running joke initially was about using a chainsaw. And at first it was like, absolutely not. But then, I mean, you have to know how to use it in order to to get firewood. But I do remember there was this one distinct moment. I had these coveralls, which is like puffy overalls. They're insulated. And I had been chainsawing. And then I looked down and there was this just like the insulation, the cotton was everywhere. And there was this long gash going from the sort of top left of my chest to the, the bottom right of my stomach. So I think somewhere in there, the chainsaw had had nipped a little bit of it. So that for the, the remainder of the time, it was a nice reminder of uh, the skill that I had picked up and um, how, uh, how how dangerous, I guess, it was to, to learn, but then handy. And I'd love to also talk a little bit about the people in Idaho. I'm, or there was, there's, you know, it's a pretty complicated relationship that that you describe in terms of the folks that you meet and how they show up in ways that you expect and that you don't expect. What were some ways that people really showed up for you during those years in Idaho? Yeah, I, I think that complex, like complex, is a good way to describe it, and that's what I was trying to capture in the book. I think that I went into it with some preconceived notions, and when I tell people that I was a Middle Easterner moving to Idaho, they probably also, you know, my mother. Uh, <laughs> there was lots of protests as I was moving because um, she was concerned, but um, there is 
this ethos that small town uh, living has. And I, I think it's a cliche that big cities are, are, are alienating, but you don't really get that until you see the way that people in small towns do show up for you. Mm. And so, you know, one of my, my closest friends who I met there, um, Josiah in the book, uh, he happened upon me when my car was, had gone off the road. I was stuck in the snow um, and I, I couldn't get out. And, everyone always stops whenever somebody appears to be in trouble. Mm. Um, and he helped get me out of the, uh, uh, out of the snow. And so I feel like that was just a recurring um, thing where people would just stop by to see if you needed help. Can I bring up another story about Josiah, actually, since you brought him up? Um, there's a really beautiful moment in the book, which I got to say, being from Iran myself, I moved when I was really young. It really struck me, which is when Josiah learned that one of your favorite foods is kebab. And so he showed up to your house with elk kebabs, right? And so I just got to yeah. ask for all the folks out there who might be into Persian cuisine, how do elk kebabs compare to kebab kubide? I mean, my my parents were pretty skeptical, but elk kebabs were, were, were better. They were, they were wow. great. They were much... Yeah, they um, and it may have just been the experience of eating elk kebabs. And that night there were um, I got to see the um, the northern lights for the first time. So it just felt like something had clicked in my my time there. There was a moment where I remember he was texting and he had asked for those of you who don't know an Iranian food. Saffron is a is a big part of of um, of, of the cuisine. And he had texted asking if I had any saffron because he didn't think that the local market would would have it. And so uh, I was able to provide that for the, that in the, um, yeah, for the, but it was definitely, it was, it was better and I haven't had it since. And I don't know if I'll, if I'll get to again. I want to try elk kebabs now. I mean, I've had elk before, but it, it just really struck me. Uh, we're talking to Naveed Madavian about his new graphic memoir, This Country. Uh, and we are asking you listeners about your experience, either moving from a urban to rural spot or the other way around. You can call us. And we've got a caller here that I'd love to bring into the conversation. Happy from Manhattan. Hi, Happy. Hi there. How are you? I've done... I'm good. I've done both. You've done both? Okay, so tell us I your have, story. How is it? How do they compare? As a little kid, my parents moved from the greater New York area to Plattsburgh, New York. So at five years of age, I didn't know what country it was. I discovered frogs. I discovered turtles. The whole wildlife that lived within two or three blocks of our house Eventually, I became a 46er, which is the 46 high peaks in the Adirondacks. Hmm. So I became a country boy. Then I went to college in the Hudson Valley, and eventually I wound up working here in the city. What I've learned is they don't have Broadway upstate, <laughs> and you can't find nature like that. Happy, thank you so much for calling in. I just got to say, as as a person from Albany, New York, I totally get what you mean. Maybe no Broadway, but there's definitely the Adirondacks that we love. Uh, shout out to the Adirondacks, the 518. <laughs> so, Navid, how does that resonate with you when you hear a person? Because you yourself went from a, a urban to a rural area and then from rural back. How, how did that switch go for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that what Im impressed me the most was how much the... the of a, of a character, the land 
was, you know, we had a tiny house surrounded with six acres, but then around that was just hundreds of acres because it was mostly um, a ranching community. So um, even when I since then have gone on hikes, I mean, it's not quite the same. Uh, something I explore in the book is how the land operates on the body. And I feel like that there's this intuitive way that we have with um, what a way that we're meant to be in the world. Um, and it, it was nice to experience that for a few years. Mm -hmm. I think cities have a way of flattening time and space. You know, it's always uh, sunny. It's uh, one's always harried. And so it was nice just to be able to be in that mm. quiet. We're talking to Naveed Medavian, whose new graphic memoir, This Country Searching for Home in Very Rural America, chronicles his experience going from San Francisco to rural Idaho. We're going to take a quick break. But before we do, I just want to ask again, if you have a story about moving yourself from a rural to urban area or the other way around, give us a call. We'll be right back. This is All of It. I'm Kushan Avidar, and I'm lucky to be here with Naveed Medavian. His new graphic memoir, This Country Searching for Home in Very Rural America, chronicles his experience moving from San Francisco to rural Idaho. And callers, we want to hear from you. Do you have a similar experience? And we have a caller that I'd love to hear from right now, Mimi from Manhattan. Hi, Mimi. Hi there. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I want so I wanted to uh, share my story of moving from an urban to a rural place. I uh, grew up in a big metropolitan city in India. And after I came to the United States, I lived in Chicago and Minneapolis. And then I moved to a tiny, tiny place in western Michigan for work. And uh, I remember the first weekend there, I came back to work on Monday and someone told me, hey, were you there down the river? And I was like, yeah, did you see me? And they were like, no, my grandmother saw you. I was like, what? <laughs> and they said, well, you know, they said a brown woman with long black hair, so who else could it be? <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess I'm the only one. <laughs> How did it feel to be described as, oh, the brown woman with long black hair? Was that the first time that you've been described that way? Or what was that experience like for you? Well, I uh, I did feel like the pressure of being a cultural ambassador. Mm. And that is also the only point of time in life where I was a literal traffic stopper. Like people would actually <laughs> stop on the cars to look at me and point at me. <laughs> um, but overall, the people were very warm and welcoming. And, you know, they wanted to take me fishing and teach me how to shoot. None of which I'd ever done. Um, but the only thing that I struggled with was uh, how Christian the atmosphere was. I actually had people tell me to my face, well, you're a good person, but, you know, you don't believe in Jesus Christ, so you're going to go to hell, and there's nothing to be done about it. Mm. And... Uh, how do you react to that, you know? Yeah, well, I first of all, Mimi, thank you so much for calling. A couple things that stood out to me from what you were saying, and Navid, I'd love to get your take on this, the idea of being a cultural ambassador and the idea of having to navigate folks who are, are kind, but then they say things that really you don't know how to respond. How, how is that for you, listening to, to Mimi's experience? 
Yeah, I mean, Mimi's experience, I mean, I was smiling along because all of it sounded so familiar. Um, I, I mean, I also felt like the cultural ambassador growing up in Miami and then moving to San Fran. I was never a minority, but then being in a town of 500, it was my first experience of being uh, a, a minority. Mm. And one of the jokes that I, I make in the book, a recurring joke, is that everyone in small towns knows who you are. So first time we showed up, uh, at that time, we were just camping out on the on the land and our neighbors showed up and they knew who we were, knew our names and they debating where, you know, my name was from. And so I think that sometimes it felt like, was it because I was a person of color or is it just because people in small towns, right? You only have 500, any new face is going to be of, of interest. Um, but there definitely were moments where I felt like a cultural ambassador, a moment that um, doesn't happen didn't make it into the book was I was at Josiah, uh, my friend's mother's wedding, and a woman came up to me and said, oh, I, I heard that you're from Iran. And she said, my children are interested in about, you know, they want to read the Quran. What do I do? And she was just so scared. And it was like, well, you can read it with them. <laughs> well, you know, I thought like, only I had my pocket Quran I could pull out to, to, to read it with her. But it was yeah, there is this experience of of, of feeling like you are are, are speaking for um, for a larger group of of people and yeah. trying to negotiate that with just being at a wedding. You know, it reminds me of my own work. Outside of all of it, I work on a show called Notes from America with Kai Wright, and one of our goals on that show is to find connection and insight in a divided time. And it seems like your experience is is right in the center of that target. Did your time in Idaho give you any insight into how you achieve that goal or anything like that? Yeah, I think it, I mean it's I think it was just time um to 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 spend with people on an individual level. Uh not to to bring up Josiah again, but there was this uh one moment, again, didn't make it into the book, but um he came up to me one day and said uh, that he, he was apologizing for something that his father had said. And I hadn't met his father before, so I didn't know what he was talking about. But I guess his dad had referred to me as that terrorist. And later on, when we were invited to Josiah's dad's house, he came up to me, apologized for this thing that I didn't, there was no reason for me to have even known about it. I wasn't in the room, but he apologized and then gave my wife, Emily, this handkerchief that had belonged to his mother and this mm. beautiful silk handkerchief, which he still has. But it was this incredible moment of humanity and it wouldn't have happened if, if, if I hadn't been there, if I hadn't developed this relationship with Josiah. And, and I hope that even though that there, there is this pressure to act as a cultural ambassador, I think that um, in, in, in many ways, I, I feel like I got out as much as, as I think that they did from th these interactions that lasted over a, a long period. I think it, it took the three years, but um, I think that went both ways. Yeah. Time is a huge theme in your book, uh, that idea of time being the key ingredient towards bridging what some see as a divide, I think is really insightful as well. And, and there's a text we just received that I think brings us to another part of that very nicely. It, it reads, my family moved from Queens to West Virginia in the mid 90s. The move was a bigger culture shock than moving from Pakistan to the US. Fortunately, we all left West Virginia before it became Trump country. Because of social media, I've seen how dangerous the politics of my neighbors and some friends would have been for my family. I'm still undoing all the whiteness I tried to take on during the decade I was there. What does that make you feel, Naveed? 
Yeah, uh, I I think that I was lucky in that I moved there right after Trump's election. Um, in the last few months that I was there, I remember driving and seeing three percenter flags. Um, the Liberty Conference happened a little bit after that, which was an ultra right wing um, conference. And having visited during COVID, it definitely felt like there was this shift where what initially drew me to the place, this openness, this welcomingness that I, I felt from the, the small town ethos, it felt like that had sort of evaporated with, with COVID where, you know, masks were not a thing. The uh, thin blue line hats w mm. were everywhere. And it felt like this caring that we had for one another, which I think a lot of people experienced during COVID with like masking up, caring for people who were um, uh, health compromised just didn't exist there. And it felt much more political. And um, and I do wonder what being there now would, would be like now that things just feel much more divided where those sort of nuggets um, have, have grown. Yeah. And, and your, your book almost could be not necessarily a tool, but like a jumping off point for people to engage in that conversation, I think. So, you know, in the about minute we've got left, what do you hope people take from reading your memoir? Um, I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a cliche, but a cliche for a reason. I think people are, are people. And so much of what I experienced there, there was that cognitive dissonance where people would use the N-word or make jokes about ragheads, but then would invite me back, you know, next time I'm around in town. And so I think that there was this way that people engage with you on an individual level, whether they see you, and then the way that we experience one another in politics at a sort of macro level. Um, and so I, I hope that people take away that, at the end of the day, we're each just trying to figure out where we belong, uh, who we are. And I, I think fundamentally people are, are are good outside of politics. Navid Medavian is the author of the new graphic memoir, This Country searching for a home in very rural America. Uh, it comes out, what's the day? Is it September 15th? Is that correct? September 12th. September 12th. My apologies. September 12th. Uh, Navi, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. We love to hear from you. So if you heard anything that sparks a thought or a question, hit us up. Go to notesfromamerica.org and look for the little green record button that's partway down the page. You can leave us a voice note right there just by clicking on that button. Just be sure to please include at least your first name and where you're located. You can also follow us on Instagram. You'll see recaps from all the episodes and exclusive content that's just made there. Our profile is at notes with Kai. This segment originally aired on all of it. It was produced by Kate Hines and Jordan Loff and engineered by Juliana Fonda. Our theme music is by Jared Paul. The Notes from America team also includes Karen Frillman, Florencia gonzalez Guerra garcia Regina Dahir, Rahima Nasa, David Norville, Kai Wright, and Lindsay Foster-Thomas. Andre Robert Lee is our executive producer, and I'm Kusha Navidar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>